Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. So we are in the book of Acts. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and I want to remind you of what we started with last week. And this was a beautiful picture of how the church began. This was the kickoff to large group gatherings for the early church, okay? And again, we're reading you the Bible. We're not trying to make something up on our own. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this, but you will receive, Jesus speaking here, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Why do we receive the power of the Holy Spirit? Somebody tell me. River. Okay, it does give us comfort. Why does the book of Acts right here tell us that you receive the power of the Holy Spirit? Come on, there's got to be an adult in the room that can answer this. Right here. Carrie. To be a witness. <laughs> Carrie, Carrie gets candy. Oh, man, she's stoked. Okay? Now, can I just tell you, oftentimes we read the Bible, but apparently we're not very good at reading. Because this is in sequence right here. Jesus is saying, when you receive power something's going to happen in you, and you will become something. Jesus said, when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, there's something that's going to happen inside of you, and I'm going to make you a witness. There's something that he wants us to do with that. And here's what it goes on to say, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So today we want to talk just a little bit more about the space of what it actually means to be a witness. And can I tell you, it is not the guy on the corner in downtown standing on a bucket screaming at people that they're going to hell. I'm not telling you that we shouldn't tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. But can I just tell you right now that a witness is not somebody who is scaring people into going into heaven. A witness is somebody who says, hey, here's what Jesus has done in my life. Can I tell you about him? He's wonderful. He's beautiful. And so that's what we want to unpack a little bit today. And, and we want to do that by showing you a, a little video here that talks about the Holy Spirit, unpacks a little bit of the book of Acts. So can we roll that real quick? Hold on just a second. We might need a little volume in order for this to benefit you in any way. I'm, I'm just saying so we're going to try this real quick here. ...ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but what is God's Spirit? Yeah, so the Spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy, how so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right, wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. <sighs> so you feel that inside you. Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply, that too is ruach. 
And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, Ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's Ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's Ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes, and the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up and God's spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. The story is saying that God's spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's spirit. And so today, the spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving spirit. If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page (laughs) one. Pretty cool, huh? I love those videos. The way they illustrate everything is just so cool. Well, what's really neat is, so we we get an idea of what the Holy Spirit, the the point of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit functions. How many have maybe not thought about that that way before? Like that video was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, all right. One, good. Mm -hmm. We'll do more of those. Oh, two, good, okay. Do I have a third? Do I? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but it's really cool. Okay, so now, now we, we've talked about the Holy Spirit, and in Acts 1, Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit was going to come, and the result was going to be that they were going to be witnesses. Now, fast forward to the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is they are gathered in an upper room, and all the disciples, the apostles are there, and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, I want you to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. So in Acts 2, they're in this upper room. And this is where we pick it up in verse four. And everyone present 
was filled with the Spirit. Let me just back up a second because the, the couple of verses right there, they're waiting, and just like we saw, the Holy Spirit comes, enters the room like tongues of fire, rests on them, and they all begin to speak in different tongues than their native tongue. But here's what's really cool about that. We, sometimes we can think, oh, that's just like babbling, and they're just like, you know, what, what is that? that? The tongues we know of? It actually is very different in this setting. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear, listen to this, their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Super, super cool. Verse 9, here we are, the Pathians, the Medes, the Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, uh, Judea, Cappadocia, uh, Pontus, and the province of Asia. A bunch of places that are all in there that are, are really cool. <clears throat> But they were all gathered together, and they stood, verse 12, amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. Give you one second of context. A lot of times that the foreign languages in that place were not only were they foreign, but they were actually looked down on or looked lesser than. And what the Holy Spirit did in that moment is causing them to be able to hear in their own languages. It acknowledged and it brought unity to the body of Christ. And people who had been forgotten were now pulled in because Jesus was moving through the Holy Spirit to connect with people that had been belittled and told that they were not as important as the chosen people. God was breaching these lines and saying, no, listen, my people, I want to talk to my people. Yeah. yeah, when you look at this moment here in history, it's one of these things that oftentimes we can't capture very well in our mind, but God wants us to gain an understanding of his heart towards the church. It was now no longer just focused on just the Jewish people and their language, but God said the body of Christ is to look beautiful and diverse and different. And how did he do it? Through a witness of the Holy Spirit through them, empowering them to do something, listen, that they could not do on their own. Think about this. Think about this in this moment right now. If all of a sudden you just began to start to speak Korean. Think about that. And what if somebody in the room or somebody walking along the street began to hear their own language being spoken? What that would do to their heart. What that would do in a moment. This is what the Holy Spirit did at the first large church gathering. He changed all their languages. He gave them an opportunity to actually be a witness in a way that they couldn't before that moment. They did not have the empowerment to do that. And what was the witness all about? If we continue on reading here, here's what it says. 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Come on, think about this. How often and how easy is it for us to try and live our Christian lives in our own power, our own ability, and our own strength, and the Holy Spirit's just going, hey, I could help you with that. How many of us are sitting here today, this is not in our notes, how many of us are sitting here today and haven't ever led anybody to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? This is not a guilt trip. I'm asking you to, to contemplate this in your heart. We've never led anybody to Jesus Maybe it's because we've tried way too hard to do it in our own strength and our own ability. 
Instead of stopping and going, hey, Jesus, I'm getting out of bed this morning, and I know there's somebody that's going to cross my path today that you love a lot and that desperately needs to know you today. And Jesus, I don't have all the right words to say, but Holy Spirit, would you come in me today in a powerful and fresh way, and would you give me the words to be able to speak into that person's life that helps them to come to know you, just like what happened with the early church here. Can I tell you, this is what the early church was built upon, a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that added 3,000 people to the church in a single day. And it wasn't anything that they did on their own other than this. They were obedient to what Jesus instructed them to do, and that was to wait for the Holy Spirit. And when they did that, something radically changed. What's cool about the phrasing of, of Acts 1-8, if you go back when Jesus said, you're, I will, you know, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and power of the Spirit, and you'll be my witnesses, sometimes we can read that as like a little bit of a command or an imperative, right? Like, because you're filled with the Holy Spirit, go and be my witnesses. It's actually written more in an indicative standpoint where when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will naturally automatically be a witness. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is there will be something that's different in your life. So you have to ask ourselves, and I was asking myself this this week, and I think that all of us, it's just a gauge to say, is there anything different about me because of the Holy Spirit in me? Come on, that's good. Now, we all, we all know this, we all recognize this, is that there's people in our life that aren't saved that we have relationship with, right? Is there anything in your life that says that there's anything different about you than the person who doesn't know Christ? Mm -hmm. Is there anything that's attractional in your life, meaning the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit attractional in your life to pull people in who have no relationship with God because they see something different in you? This is the day of Pentecost. This is what it looked like for them to look and be attracted to something that happens. And, and, and we need to think about this too because, because um, the Holy Spirit in us, just because we're saved, just because we're believers, doesn't equate to just being a nice person right? Niceness does not make us spirit-filled. We all know people who are nice. In fact, you have probably said, because I've said this too, man, you know what? I bet they're a Christian because they are so nice. <laughs> Niceness does not make us spirit-filled. What attracts some, somebody to you that is different than what the world can give? And this is what, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, if you're filled with the Spirit, and you're walking in the Spirit, yeah, it will look different. Yeah. Your life will look different. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, does my life look different? Mm. Am I walking around under the power of the Spirit, and is the effect of that evident in our lives? I don't want to get to the end of my life and, and, and have the epitaph of my life be, here lies Jason, he was a really nice person. Mm. Come on. That has no lasting fruit in it whatsoever. What we should do is we should be expecting, because we say that we are filled with the Spirit, we are born again believers in Jesus Christ, that when we pray, we will see healings. That when we lay hands on, there will be miracles. That we will actually, because of the power of the Spirit, have boldness to engage in a conversation with someone about Christ that we would normally shy away from on our own strength. That we would actually stand up for morality in a world and in a season that says it's all about your rights and it's all about your political bent and it's all of that. No, of people who will say, ah, because of the Holy Spirit in me, I'm going to be a witness, I'm going to be different, I'm going to stand up for what the Word of God says in my life. 
That takes the power of the Holy Spirit moving through us. These are the things that we should expect to see in our lives. If we are filled and baptized with the Spirit working and flowing through us, this should be a normal thing that we see in our lives. And not only that... Well, and here's the reality of that in our lives, right? So oftentimes when we hear the words, I, I want to I address this right now because I can, I can feel the tension of it in the room. Maybe it's coming from the online party. Um, but it's this place of, what do you mean, like, pray for sick people? What do you, what do you mean, like, actually see that take place? Here, here's what we do all the time in our Christian faith. We want to put those types of events into spiritual environments. We want to put like praying for sick people. We want to put sharing our, oh, I'd be happy to do that on church on Sunday morning. Well, can I tell you the majority of people that are at church with you have already found Jesus. They don't need to find him again. Well, maybe some of them do, but, but, but most of them don't. Can I just be honest with you? So the Holy Spirit's work in you to be a witness is not so you can be a witness at church. Nobody needs you to be a witness at church. What we need to be is a witness in our everyday lives, and that witness bears fruit in all kinds of different decisions and processes of our life. Really, it's more in the simple things. I heard a story this week that rocked my world when it came to the place of what it means to just hear the Holy Spirit prompting us in our life and just to be obedient in, in a moment. I heard the story of a young man this week who was in, in, car, in his car with his mom, and they were just listening to the radio, getting ready to go to school, and and on the radio, they were listening to KTSY. How many of you ever listened to KTSY? Beautiful station that shares the gospel and encourages people with Christian music all around the Treasure Valley and has impacted thousands and thousands of people's lives. They were listening to KTSY, and they were doing their fundraiser this week. How many of you know they're, they're, they're funded by people that listen to them, period? And so they were just sharing some of the stories and all this, and they were inviting people to come and be a part of that movement, be a part of what God was doing through KTSY. Little boy asked his mom, hey, mom, are, 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 are we going to give into that? Are you going to give into that? And he's, she was like, well, I'm, I'm going to talk to your dad. We're going to pray about it just like we always do. And we're going to ask what he would have us to do in this moment. And I guess it got really silent in the car for a second. And all of a sudden, he just said, hey, mom, how much money do I have? Think about that. Little boy just sitting, hanging out with mom. Mom, how much money do I have? And she said, well, well son, you have $52. Perfect. $52. Another pause, just waiting for a moment. And all of a sudden he said, Mom, I want you to call and give it all. Give it all. So this mom calls into KTSY and just shares the story. Hey, my son wants to, to give $52. It's everything that he's got. He wants to give it to make a difference in people's lives. And from that story, they began to tell that story over and over again on KTSY. And, and an adult was listening and thought, well, if a kid can give $52, surely I can give $520. And so somebody matched that with $520. What happened next? Somebody else was listening and go, wait a minute. If that guy can give $520, little kid can give $52. I'm going to give $5,200 and invest in people's lives so that there can be a witness of the gospel going out through the Treasure Valley. And I don't know what the current number is, but I know just a few minutes after that, that number went clear up way over $20,000 that was raised by one child's faith to say, God, I'm just going to give everything that I have. Can I tell you, that is what it means to be a witness. 
And I'm not saying that we, we shouldn't be laying hands on the sick, but what I am saying is there's opportunities for us in life to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us, and all too often, we're not like that child that says, I'll give everything I have. All too often, we, we lean into the space of, well, you know, I'm going to think about that, and I'll, I'll, I'll get on. And the Holy Spirit's whispering to, you, to the person next to you in line at Albertson's, and he's saying, hey, could you just tell them that I'm thinking about them and I love them? Well, God, let me pray about that for a second. Instead of the heart of a child that goes, oh, there's a need, there's an opportunity for me to be a witness, there's an opportunity for me to show love, I'm going to do that right here and now. I'm going to give everything I have, all $52 that's in my bank account. This young man is actually sitting here this morning. His name is Jackson Bopes. He's sitting right over here. He's got a cool Carhartt hat on. And Jackson set an example for us as adults and leaders of what it means to be a witness with our life and to take advantage of the moment when the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Church, can I tell you that that if more of us would respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our life, can I tell you we would be a lot different witnesses than we are currently in our lives? This is why I love having kids in the congregation with us today because parents, we could probably learn a little something from their faith. Jackson didn't go, well, you know, I'd like to get a new toy, and there's a new video game that I kind of like to have. He just thought, hey, there's a need, and all I have is $52, but I'm going to give every penny that I have, and I'm going to believe that God can do something extraordinary with it. Sounds to me like a Bible story of a widow who brought the one penny she had and gave it, wept before the Lord. And when Jesus saw that, he said, that's what it means to be generous. Not those of you that are giving out of your abundance, but those of you that give everything that you have because God said, right here, here's a need. Church, we need to be that kind of spirit-led people that bear witness with our lives, that when the opportunity presents itself, when God speaks to us, we just say, God, here I am. Do whatever you want in and through my life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 shares this picture, and Emily spoke it last week, but I really felt like this week it's a prophetic declaration over our lives because here's what I know. The fruit of your life, which my prayer for you should be the fruits of the Spirit because the Spirit of God lives inside of you. It would like being me saying to you, there's an apple tree out back and I'm expecting for there to be apples on that tree. And you guys would look at me and go, well, duh, it's an apple tree, Tim. Right? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, prophesy over you as the people of God and say that you are the trees of God. This is what Scripture teaches. You can actually go into the Psalms if you want. Psalms chapter 1 says that you're a tree planted by a stream and that you're to bear fruit in season. And this is the kind of tree that you are. Let me help you. You are a follower of Jesus kind of tree, a tree that is filled with the sap of the Holy Spirit that should produce fruit that looks like the Holy Spirit. And here's what Galatians tells us that looks like. Galatians chapter 5, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. In other words, you're a tree, and God's producing fruit through your life. There's something being made out of your life, a witness for those that you're around. It says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. In other words, let me rewind what Jason just said a few minutes ago. It's not that you're nice that makes you a Christian. 
It's that we bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives that others go, wow, that's a Christian tree. That's a Holy Spirit-filled believer. Why? Look what it says to go on here. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Notice who's doing the work of crucifying. It's not Jesus. Are you guys awake with me this morning? The things that are taking place in your life, the sinful natures that you're struggling with and wrestling with, Scripture teaches us that we are the ones that go to the cross of Jesus and say, no more. I'm not going to give in to that sin. any." And we start to nail it to the cross. Why? Because we are filled with the Holy Spirit that is producing in us the fruits of Christ in our life. And it finishes off by saying this, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life, which includes giving $52 when God says give 52 bucks which includes moving way outside of your comfort zone and talking to that person that's next to you getting a coffee, which includes this morning when we gather together in our groups going, you know what? God's really challenging me in this space of my life. And we're bearing witness to one another of the Spirit's working inside of us. Church, this is what it means to be people who are filled with the Spirit of God. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.